Hi everyone, Luke here from The Broken Meeple. Just a quick note about my ongoing Patreon campaign. I hate to ask for money, but if any of you out there wish to support this channel in that way, then please visit the page at www.patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple. It's listeners and viewers like you that make this channel what it is today, and even as little as $1 a month goes a long way to going towards the hosting fees and to provide new equipment that allows me to improve the quality of this podcast and the YouTube channel. I want to let you guys in on future top 10 lists as well as let you submit questions and stories for future inclusion on videos and podcasts. So check out the page if you like, but if not, I hope you enjoy the show. So take care. See you soon. This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 16, Balance. It's a special episode today where I team up with Michael May from Two Can Play That Game to discuss a rather controversial posting by Ignacy Trevacek on his original game blog recently. We talk about game balance, how players are quick to point the finger and call something broken or unbalanced, and also discuss how many plays should a game get before a reviewer gives his opinion. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I just want to get one or two things off my chest before we get on with the main event. Firstly, in terms of dates coming up, I will be attending HandyCon 2 from the 11th to the 13th of August. However, there is a chance I will not be staying there for the Sunday, so I will probably be there for the whole of Friday, the whole of Saturday, but duty calls elsewhere, I might have to leave on Sunday morning. So I hope to see you guys there. And of course, come October time, I will definitely be attending Essen with the help of Grubbling Games Publishing. So if you want to see me during those times, get in touch. I'll be glad to see you and hopefully play some games with you as well. Also, I want to mention that on the video channel, the video channel is getting reviews out nice and quick. There's a little bit of a break at the moment, although I have uploaded one or two in the last couple of days just because well there's a lot to do and I'm quite a busy man but you know reviews are still going to come out it's still going nice and strong and even though I'm going to be attending my brother's wedding next weekend you know reviews will still come out so you know just expect the odd delay here and there but we're not talking weeks here we're just talking a matter of days you know it won't be as regular as one every other day you know, just while I get on with sorting out my brother's wedding, because obviously that takes a bit more precedence than the blog, you have to admit. I'm sure you'd be the same with your own content if it was the same with you. Anyway, and the last thing I want to get off my chest is the P-Logs. Now, recently on the podcast, I started a little subdivision called the P-Logs. I called them like the sort of podcast equivalent of V-Logs. Basically, this was just so I could talk in front of a microphone for about a quarter of an hour and just ramble about a random geek topic. Usually movies and TV, because I watch a lot of movies, I watch a lot of TV, well, a lot of movies and TV when they're sci-fi and fantasy related anyway, and certainly with regards to superheroes. Now, I've done some recently, I watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and gave my thoughts on that for about a quarter of an hour, 
I watched the reboot of Ghostbusters and gave my views on whether it deserved all its controversy. And recently the 13th Doctor was revealed and as a Doctor Who fan I wanted to give my thoughts on the uh, reveal as it was and address the controversy arising from that as well. Now whether you like these or not, you know, I'm happy to hear the feedback at the moment. They're quite easy to do because literally I just talk in front of a microphone for a quarter of an hour and put an intro and outro music on it. That's it. They're nice and quick so I can literally do them after, straight after I've watched the movie or TV thing in question. Now, on top of that though, it has caused some confusion. Because some people, not many, but some people have wondered if they were replacing the actual podcast. Because obviously the last major podcast episode I released was a good month ago, probably earlier this month. Maybe even actually slightly before, who knows, at least about three weeks ago I would say. No, they are not replacing the podcast. They are merely a small subdivision that will just run alongside this podcast. Now, I know that this podcast is devoted to focusing on board games. So what I have done is that I have updated the description on the SoundCloud site just to say that, yes, this is primarily board games, but occasionally I want to give my thoughts on geek culture as a whole. And it will be mostly movies and TV, but you never know. Something that I just feel I need to talk about, I will mention. But what I will do is that I will change the name and I will make it more clear as to what the episode is. So I'm not going to call them P-Logs anymore because it just seems a bit weird. I'll call it something like, you know, Broken Maple Geek Chat or something, you know. Something like that, you know, Geek Chat, Geek Time. Some kind of like name like that where they will specifically be those geek culture episodes. If you want to tap into them, then please do. It will be a nice quick listen on your journey commute, per se. But I don't have the time or the resources to make another channel and do more logos and stuff like that for that one to have it as a separate whole channel. And let's face it, the Dice Tower did it for their Kickstarter where they did a few geek culture episodes and they were good fun to listen to. And I know some other people who do it as well. So I just want to keep it within the Broken Meeple channel. You know, this is primarily board and card games, but just occasionally a bit of geek culture on the side. But I will clearly label those ones as geek culture, geek chat. Geek Time, whatever. Something with Geek in the title, probably. And at least you'll be able to see that when they get released, you'll know exactly what they are, and you'll know whether you want to listen to them or not. You know, I'm still going to be doing normal podcast episodes. It's not going to affect the frequency of how often they get released. I will still try to keep this up to a one or two a month deal with the main podcast. And I'm trying to keep the episodes a bit shorter anyway, but probably not doing a good job at this point. But certainly, yes, I want to keep those going and they will still keep going alongside the YouTube channel, alongside the written reviews. And, you know, all all things good. I think everyone is giving me nice feedback and I'm happy to continue doing these. And I suppose, finally, just the last bit, keep in keep looking at the YouTube channel over the next month and a half because when we get into August, we will have breached my four year, I think it's four years now. Since, uh, yeah, 2013, so yeah, four years since I started the Broken Meeple blog. It will be the fourth anniversary, and of course, you know what that means. That means I will be doing my top 100 again. And as promised, many a time at the start of the year, I will be doing the top 100 on video. 10 episodes, maybe 11 or 12 depending. I will certainly do at least 10 episodes for the items in question, so 10 on every one. But I may do a separate video for, uh, maybe I'll extend the first video for an introduction, but I will most certainly do a video at the end for, you know, items that have dropped off and things like that. So, yes, you're definitely getting the top 100 on video. 
It's going to take a while to record them and get them out, but I will basically try to keep this up throughout the month of August so you don't get everything all at once, because after all, you've got to leave them wanting a little bit. But yes, it's going to happen, promise you, during August, Broken Meeple Top 100, and I will be comparing it to last year's Top 100 as well. I don't have a 75 list to make the comparison a bit weird. Nope, I've got a full 100. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm going to leave you now with myself and Michael May from Two Can Play That Game, where we talk about the main posting. Um, I'll give out all the detail in that segment, but basically, this is what was recorded during our conversation. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple Show. Take care. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 16 of The Broken Meeple, and you heard right from the intro music there, I do have a guest on this time. I said I wanted to get more people on this podcast, because let's face it, you're all getting bored just listening to me by now, and I figured you needed someone a bit more, shall we say, upper profile to listen to, so that, you know, maybe I can get more views that way. But joining me today is Michael May from Who Can Play That Game. Say hi, Mike. So you're working up to the uh, upper profile then? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> start, I'm still starting with me. Then, then you're going to get someone more upper profile. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I think you'll be the limit, mate. <laughs> it's like, nope, I've, I've peaked, <laughs> peaked too early. Uh, I can't, like, can't imagine that. You, you've got uh, too many contacts. Have I? <laughs> yeah, you got the Dice Tower, Paul Grogan. Paul, Paul would never have me on his show, I doubt it. <laughs> I can't see that happening. <laughs> we spend too much time arguing about heavy Euros, I think. Why don't you like Phoebe? <laughs> and we'll argue for ages on that. Bless him, he's a great guy, but it's just <laughs> we do differ on a lot of board games. Just <laughs> go like, oh yeah, Food Chain Magnet. Oh, right, now we're. <laughs> so we would just be at each other's throats, I think. Nah, it was good, and I did go with uh, We're Not Wizards the other week. That was a good laugh, uh, being with him. But anyway, yeah, getting back to the plot on that. Basically, the reason for today's show, everyone, is mainly because I said I wanted to do these more frequently and not have them go on as long as, you know, old gad out. But uh, I suppose I'll be completely contradicting that rule at this rate. But the reason for this one is because there was an interesting thread that's been appearing on a lot of the Facebook groups lately, started by Ignacy Trevicek, who most of you will know will be from Portal fame, designing all the great games like, you know, Robinson Crusoe, First Martians, and things like that. Well, he started a post on his blog that he does on Board Game Geek called Would Your Father Ebay Your Bike? I suggest you go look for it. It's a great read, and you can easily find it if you just Google that into the search engine. But... To cut a long story short, he was basically having a slight mini rant at how some people that he knows on Twitter and that have this tendency, and this is not just who he knows, it's what we come across all the time, where somebody will claim that a game is broken or unbalanced or, you know, is bad or doesn't make sense after, like, one play of it, as if they're, like, some supreme expert or something. He goes on this great little rant, has, you know, a bit of a pop at him, and then on Facebook groups, on the board game group, the UK Boarding Train Chat, Board Game Geek, you name it, it's exploded and gone sort of half viral as everybody's been providing their two cents for it. So that's the whole purpose of this episode. We're just basically 
going to talk about our thoughts on that because being reviewers and critics ourselves, this does have a bit of a strong relationship to us. I think you'd agree, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think the place that I saw the most kind of discussion about this was in the reviewer groups. And I was surprised how little comeback there's been on Ignacy for this. Like, I haven't seen anyone saying, how dare you talk to your customers this way? And that's kind of the most surprising thing from this for me. What, you thought it would have a yeah, I, I was expecting more intensity? Yeah, I was expecting people to be anti his post, but all I've seen is people agreeing with it. I, I'm not surprised as such. I mean, you do get a bit of criticism sometimes for going on a bit of a rant, although I think reviewers and critics have more of a problem with this than designers, because... You know, very few people point to a designer when they have a little rant and say they've done wrong. You know, who's going to suddenly say, you know, Ignacity or Eric Lang or Bruno Kafala has done wrong anytime soon. So I think they get probably more of a pass than the typical reviewer would. But to be fair, he does have a bit of a point. Because... Well, yes. And I think, as you say, that's that's probably a big part of why he is getting away with it, because people do see the point he's making though I'm not sure how well he's made it, to my mind. It does, it has come off as a slight rant, and I mean, we have to be um, careful with this as well, because every time we do a negative review, well, I say we, me, because I seem to be the (laughs) one who does, but any time we do any... Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Any time we do any kind of constructive criticism, we get our rear ends handed to us, because everybody is claiming that, you know, you've you're not played it enough, or you haven't tried it with the right people, or any kind of excuse out of the book, you know, we get given. And most people will see that from his point of view as well, because, you know, obviously, claiming something like balance is wrong, or like it's completely broken after only one or two plays, is pretty unrealistic for any game doesn't matter how much I hate a game, for me to suddenly call it broken after only a couple of plays would be, you know, wouldn't be objective. You can't know for certain, but you can have an idea that it felt broken when you played it. And it's important for a game not to have that feeling of being broken. I mean, I've spoken to designers about this before. Your game can be mathematically sound, But when a person plays it, it can feel broken. And that can be more important than the maths of the game, how it actually is balanced. That the feeling of how it balances. If you're playing a game and it feels like one faction, if it's an asymmetrical game, is just more powerful, then that is a problem. You need to have ways to address that. And I think the primary way that a game can address that when it's an asymmetrical game is that you have... These are the advanced factions that are more difficult to play and you have in there factions that people can just play and enjoy a first game and learn the game to then be able to play the more advanced factions. And that then means that you can have a game that starts easy enough for people to all be able to play, but then you can go on to having more depth. So there is an issue there of it feeling broken or imbalanced, but I see what you're saying about you can't claim it you can't say it is you can say it seems it or it felt it or something like that it all comes down to language yeah because we can't just jump in straight off and say you know we don't like this game because it's we think it's completely broken because it doesn't matter how many times you play a game it's very difficult to prove such a point the biggest i mean i facepalm every time i read this anytime i put up any criticism over a game 
somebody who is a fanboy of the game will jump in and claim I've only likely played it once. Oh, As I hear if that all, all the time. critics and reviewers, for some reason, just like to go out there, play a game once, and then claim they know everything about it. No, of course not. You, you say, of course not. I think there are some out there who do. There could well be. I mean, we're certainly <laughs> getting saturated with a few of these, and shame on you if you do. But the, you know, even after a few plays of something, I mean, a game will vary as to how many times you need to play it before you've got a pretty good gist of how it works or how it feels. But even after, say, five or six plays of a typical Euro, you're not really in a position to say something's unbalanced at that point. You'd have to play a game a gazillion times to do the maths on it, and nobody's going to do that. I mean, fr- from the math side of it, but playing a game five or six times, five or six times, if it still seems unbalanced, then there is something wrong there. Yeah, I've had this uh, with some games. I mean, the, you mentioned where some asymmetrical games will come in and feel like they're unbalanced. My biggest problem, or biggest problem game for this, is, again, another popular one, of was it Voyages of Marco Polo? That's kind of like the poster child I use for that argument, because when you play that game, everyone sort of claims, oh, they're, they're powerful, but they're really balanced, you know, things across the board. Every time I play that game, I never feel like it's completely balanced. It may be. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I've only played it the once, and I didn't enjoy it, and I, I didn't it didn't feel balanced to me. And I, I felt like I had the better faction. I still lost but I felt that was because I was playing badly. But I felt the power of my explorer guy. Basically, I had two explorers. Um, that felt imbalanced. It meant I could do more exploring. Because who have I had? I've had things like the, the camel guy, like yeah, extra camels, like whoopee. I felt, when I played that one, I feel like I've got literally no extra advantage. But then I've had times where I've played it and I've had the one who can change their dice to any value. And it's like, well, surely that's more powerful. <laughs> Or at least easier to learn. And I, so... I think that's a key thing when it comes to people talking about balance. It can be mathematically balanced, but that doesn't mean that it is balanced to play. Because as you were just saying about ease to learn and ease to play, that is a form of balance. If something is easier to play, that is going to be, oh, you'll sit down and you'll be able to do well with this faction. Say it's basically it's a starter faction and other factions are not that way. If you haven't got some sort of guidance to mean that all these new players aren't playing these new easier factions, then that is a balance problem. I'm trying to think of any game that does that. I know that there is some that exist out there the way you have like the easier factions and the advanced ones. I don't I can't think of any off the top of my head from a competitive side. I've seen it in co-ops before. I'm trying to think. I am um, Harbour has starting player boards. Um, but those, the even the non-starter player boards, I don't actually find particularly unbalanced. But it has a everyone starts the same type thing. It happens with some co-ops, but then co-ops are a different story because even if it's not entirely balanced, it's not a big deal. But for example, when I teach Forbidden Desert to people, I always sort of say, "Here's four characters, pick from these four, and I take, don't take put the in water the... guy." Oh yeah, but I always uh, leave out the the navigator and the meteorologist from their choices. I say to them, as like, if you want to pick them, go ahead. But trust me, you know, you've never played this before, so the explorer is not going to be the easiest one to you. And let's face it, I've yet to win a game using the meteorologist. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's an example of you doing it as a house rule. Why doesn't the rules just have that built in? 
So it's kind of surprising that he's then reacted this way, I guess. But I mean, I, I haven't actually played the game that started this all. It was The Godfather, wasn't it? Uh, it was The Godfather, but he's also mentioned in the article Cry Havoc. And I've got Cry Havoc on the shelf. I've actually not had the time to break it out and play it properly. I've only really played a demo okay. a bit. That, that is another example where one of the factions basically is harder to play. You're playing a different game almost as one of the factions. Yeah, the blue, was it the blue guys? And that's a game that a lot of people have attacked for being unbalanced. And the thing is, for starting players who don't know the game, it is imbalanced. Because you're sitting down to play this game and you think you've you've read the rules. You think you know how to play because you've read the rules. But the rules don't really tell you how to play each faction. They don't give you the information you need. And you can only gain that through multiple plays. So the game needs to have a way of getting players to have enjoyable first games that are balanced until they're able to learn it enough to be able to play those more advanced factions that play in a different way. There is a lot of games that don't seem to have... I mean, I've seen some where they do have a little strategy bit just to say, how do you play this faction? And there's a few little bullet points, but sadly, they don't seem to be much. I mean, I wouldn't really want it personally. I mean, it'd feel almost like cheating, I guess. Nah, I mean, I'm happy to sort of mention just like, you know, right, we're about to play. These are the factions. Just a very quick bullet point guidance. You're these guys. They're good at combat. Think about it. You know, these guys, you're you're not great on offense, but you're great on defense. Think of that. You know, it's like really quick key points. And then that just guides them a little bit. You know, even Seven Wonders, I have a similar thing with that. If I'm teaching new players that one, then I give them, you know, certain wonders to build ones. And then I can say, right, you're playing Ethios or whatever, right? You see, it's got lots of money on it. You know, why don't you try giving that a go? But I mean, that's a, that's another game that has the starting and more advanced ones because it has the A and B sides, doesn't it? Yeah, although the A sides of some of them can still be a little bit mad. I mean, the uh, is it Olympia? Olympia is a weird faction to use, whether it's A or B side. But then, for example, most of the time I'm teaching it, I'll get one or two new players at which point I give one of them the money one, and I give the other one Giza. You know, the two simplest factions in the entire roster, I think. And, you know, or, or possibly um, Rhodes. Because, you know, I just have to say, notice the one icon on there that you've got a lot of? Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. That's all I did the first time I got taught the game. Anyway, I just picked a military one and just went full-on military. Still one, but <laughs> at least that was the first guiding point. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing. It has a guiding point there for you. Hmm. Cry Havoc's the one that you mentioned on here with some of that. Uh, Godfather did start it off, and I played one game of that at the Expo. Granted, I'll admit, wasn't exactly blown away by the game. It just seemed like another area control game. But I'm not a massive. I've not actually watched any Godfather films. Don't kill me. Uh, I, I mean, I've watched them. I, I didn't actually like them. Uh, <laughs> no, so. <laughs> I don't know if it would be my type of film or sorry, that's the only thing, so I don't want to like, I mean, I may watch them at some point, who knows, when I get bored, but no, the board game wasn't exactly blowing me away, I didn't think it was bad, I just thought it's like, yeah, it's another area control game, but I wasn't necessarily getting an idea of things being unbalanced, really, when I played it, I mean, the the job cards vary, and there are some ones that, you know, oh, we just happen to be doing a lot more of these than others, but I think that was just how the game was going. Certainly... After one play, though, I'm not going to turn around and say, nah, it's broken, don't like it. It's like, Ooh. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think there's a difference between us as reviewers and general public giving their opinion. And I think it's fine, you know, for 
the general public, the general customer, to try a game and then tweet about it, which I understand. In the modern day, that is, in essence, putting a review out there. It's out on the internet. Other people are seeing it. It's sharing opinion. But the way the modern world works is that's basically the same as you just going down the pub and chatting to your mates about the game the next day and saying, oh, this game was rubbish. It's just more people can access that information. It's when it's your baby, though. I suppose you have a like in the sense your game, your design. Naturally, you get tied to it. We we're supposed to warn designers of this. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like me, you've probably had lots of criticism of of your channel. And if you're anything like me, you learned very early on: do not engage people who criticize, because all you're going to do is flare the fire. You know, if if you turn round to someone who said, oh, you're doing crap work and you go, well, you know, I'm sorry you didn't like this video. Maybe you'll try some others that you, you're going to get comeback from that. And that's basically what he's saying to do as a publisher with the general public. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to say they're not allowed to voice their opinion after playing a game. Yes, their opinion may be invalid, but then, you know, you accept that it's invalid. You don't you don't push back on them. Yeah, he certainly could have done with maybe just letting it go because everybody's going to voice an opinion after you know, their first game and it's just natural. You know, whether whether you trust the opinion or not is another thing. Although, you know, for him to come back as a, a sort of rant on this, maybe it was, you know, he said he did this while he was at an airport or something, so maybe he was a bit tired, but... <laughs> yeah, he he did actually say he knew he shouldn't have done it. So that that is you know, all well and good, yet in his defence, he was exhausted, it was on the way back from a convention, he hadn't slept in ages and stuff. Another feeling, I've, I've lashed out every now and again, like rarely, I'm usually a very, not not any person you may angry, but if I'm tired and frustrated, yeah, it's going to happen. I, I, I think it, it's human, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's human. It's going to happen occasionally. Um, but then... I don't know if him doing this blog post then and acknowledging, yes, I did this, I shouldn't. And obviously it's it's not come back on him negatively, but should he have done that in the first place? Done the, It's well and good that when he was tired, he did this but lashing back at the person, not necessarily lashing, but arguing with them. But should he have then, once he had calmed down, cooled down, done a blog post? He may have done, I haven't read up on whether he has done since, certainly there's no edit in the original post to say it, um, that there was any apologies, but then you scroll down the comments and everybody's just been loving it anyway, and what, what, yeah, whether you're a publisher, designer, reviewer, critic, or whatever, you know, I've always said to people, you've got to put your big boy pants on because you're in the world of the internet, you're gonna get people who hate you. <laughs> Yeah, if you're put if you're putting yourself out there, you've got you know if you're producing anything, you've got to understand you're gonna get negative feedback. Yeah, I've had my fair share. As soon as I say <laughs> negative things about a game, oh my god, you suck! It just yeah, happens. Yeah. But I mean, I've had to watch with the whole balancing as well. The, everybody knows that any mention of the phrase food chain magnate sends me into a furious rage. But even when I did the review to that or something, you know, I had to be careful of saying, yes, I've played it several times. Yes, I hate this game. I'm not in a position to call it unbalanced, though, because I don't really know. But <laughs> there was more to the game I hated besides whether the milestones were balanced, put I mean, it that way. <laughs> I mean, that comes down to a different thing. I mean, you can do a negative review and it be a good review. You know... <sighs> A good and a bad review aren't to do with whether you liked or disliked a game. 
in my opinion. A bad review is a review that does not tell you information about the game in order for you to make up your own mind. As long as a review gives you the information, so as long as you can justify why you didn't like a game. Say, I didn't like this game because there was so much randomness in it, because it felt broken, because it felt unbalanced, because one faction was just so much easier to play and they just destroyed us then that is fine as a review because people can watch that and go, okay, but I've played other games where it was like that and after more plays... That, ha- that hasn't always worked though. I mean, I-, I agree on the fact that, yeah, you can say as long as you give reasons why it's fine and with my re- negative, even my negative ones, I will say, yes, I have played this Terraforming Mars. It's okay, I don't mind it, but it's not the hotness, here's why. Oh, don't get me started on hype. Oh, don't get me started on hype. Oh, trust me, I can't stand the hype stuff as well. But but even when you give your reasons, you'll get people come back and say, right, you've written a review, don't agree with any of your reasons, and they're wrong, but, you know... So still... Yeah, but I mean, I'm fine with people <laughs> saying that. If they don't agree with me, that's fine. That just means you will like the game. It's more, yeah, I mean, if 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 they will like it. I mean, I've, I've said on some reviews, it's like, you know, I give the opinion so that people can make up their own minds. And a lot of times that happens. Uh, one recent one I did, um, was it one that, I think it might have been Yokohama. That one, I think I gave a six. I thought, yeah, it's okay. Won't play it with lots of, well, won't play it with max players ever again. But, you know, it's okay. It's basically a standball on steroids. But I had two different opinions come back on the channel when, I gave that review. Both of them said, nice job, like the review, but they had different endings as to whether they bought the game or not. So one of them had said, watched it, like it, this has convinced me not to spend my money. The other person had said, you know, watched it, fair enough. However, I really like this, therefore I'm going to buy it. Yeah, but that's perfect. That That's a review doing what a review needs to do. Because it, if I say I don't like a game because it was too heavy, because there was too much going on, and someone sat there going, but I love heavy games, then they know they'll like the game. It doesn't. It, whether or not I actually like it is irrelevant, as long as I can give them enough information with my opinions on why I do and don't like it, that they can then make up their own mind. It can come down to a lot of things, and... I mean, the the way I've seen some of these Facebook threads spin off is we mentioned like, you know, can a game be balanced, perfectly balanced, you know, would it feel like that? The Another one that usually gets on my wick to a point is when they'll say it's a lot of people have spent off talking about how many times can you play a game before you critique it. It's kind of a spin off from the thread that this has gen- this has started as a result of it, where they sort of turn away from Ignacy's original post and then focus on the reviewer side and then go... You know, well, you know, if you haven't played a game 10 times, 20 times, 50 times or something, you can't give a review on it. You can only give a first impression. I don't think it's ever fair to judge a game on a single play. No, obviously not. I I would say that is a blanket statement. Then it depends on the game, how many plays it will take. Some games you play once, you play twice and it was the exact same game. And you couldn't see how it could be any different. Yeah, the first impressions are a lot different from a review. I mean, I think I had to stipulate that when I did The Colonists, because I had to, I played it several times, but only so often, because considering it's like a seven-hour game. So you had to accept that it was more of a first impressions than it was an actual review. But there are some games where people have sent the criticism back, but let's compare like one or two things here. Let's Let's take, like... The Gallerist is this three-hour game, you know, practically two and a half to three-hour game, where 
you know, you don't start off any differently, but you've got multiple things you can do in the game. It's going to need a few plays, but you'll get the gist of it after a couple of games. But then you contrast it with another example. Like, I think, I mean, I, I must have played it about five or six times before I did the review, but with Baron Park... I played it about five or six times before I'd written the review, but I'd already come up with, you know, a decent opinion of it after, what, two or three plays? I just had to test out the player counts because that's such a simple game. <laughs> I've only played it once, but that's enough for me to go, I loved playing that. I loved the game. I really enjoyed it. I, there was just plenty going on. I could see how I could have tried different strategies in next games and things like that. But until I've actually had a chance to try and sit down and try those, I wouldn't be justified in doing a review and I wouldn't put out a review. I'm willing hmm. to give my opinion on the game. Hmm. It, it doesn't change a great deal between even the player counts as such because it all scales up in a sense. So you, I mean, after two or three plays, you know what it's like, but you could play it more often. But then you ch contrast that with something that's got hundreds of millions of combinations. I mean, even just the original Cosmic Encounter, for example, you know, how many times would you have to play that to try every single race out? It's just not physically possible. Oh, I'm sure there are people who have done it who absolutely love it. To, to be honest, is, I was but... <laughs> actually surprised that I did like that game. Um, I just, I've not, I've only played it the once um, because I don't have it. And it just, it's only good with four players or more. And I've only played it the once, but I can see it would not work with fewer players. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, nobody in their right mind is playing Cosmic with three players. <laughs> nah, it won't work at all. You need to be able to get an idea of it. And I suppose with experience, <clears throat> it varies as to how much you would need because, you know, somebody who's never played games before is going to come at it from a different viewpoint than someone who's played games all the time. But is that is that viewpoint any less justified? And any less worth being point put out there and heard? No, there's not not at all. Um, it's not like there's an ivory tower or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it, are, are you going to say that only people who have played 5,000 games or been playing games for 40 years, etc., have enough experience to truly gauge a game? No, not at all. You, you need to... You need to get the different viewpoints. That's why the whole point of designers playtesting is that they get different people in it. And especially as you, you're going to have different people coming from different gaming backgrounds playing that game, it's important for them to be able to find a reviewer who has a similar level of experience. And I think, obviously, that's going to be very difficult to for a lot of people, especially if they're following a reviewer, because reviewers will typically play a lot more games and a lot more often than the average gamer will. Hmm. The the way that a new person will come to it, I mean, I had the same thing when I first started getting back into board games, where everything is new. Everything wows you the first time. I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, the first time I play a worker placement game, and it's like, what, this is a mechanic? Oh, fantastic, I love this. And then like, the next load after that, you start going, oh, you can do it in these different ways. Now, when you play a worker placement game, it's like, yeah, seeing that, what are you doing that's different? And then suddenly I think we've reached this I think this part of that, peak. though, is that the games that you're basing that on of I've played that worker placement are extremely good games. I mean, the, the games that come to my mind when you say worker placement are Stone Age and... Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep, yeah. And I absolutely love those games. And I've played mm. tons of other worker placement games before and after, but those are just two of the best, in my opinion. And part of it is the simplicity of design of them. 
it does work with that. I mean, I'm starting to get to one thing that is slightly irritating me with the industry at the moment is that I feel that simple games just either are missing them or simple games just aren't being made as much anymore. A lot of the big hype stuff is coming out is all these monstrosities with tons of stuff in them. Yeah, it's different strokes for different folks at the end of the day, which not everybody on the internet is willing to accept. A lot of the knee-jerk reactions after one play will generally be the ones who actually aren't able to sort of do the different strokes or different strokes things, you know, because they'll basically, you know, so it may not have been for them and the instant reaction is to claim it's broke. It's like, well, no, I mean, somebody wants to show me Indonesia, for example, there is a good high level chance I am going to hate that game with a passion, but I'm certainly not going to knee-jerk reaction and say this is broke. <laughs> after the yeah, game. I think it's the whole, it, what often comes up, the vocal minority, isn't it? They mentioned like a couple of Facebook posts before where he'd said, you know, where it said people just don't care about reviewers anymore because of the saturation in the market. I'd still like to claim that that's a vocal minority that's claiming that. I mean, I I can definitely say that there is elements of that. I think that I think maybe it's people aren't interested in new reviewers so much. But then there are plenty of new reviewers who come along are doing great content and do you know, get well known. Um, it's just, I think the people saying it, it's because they're not getting the attention. You know, people like me who are sat there going, why is no one watching? Um, it <laughs> can make watching. it seem like no <laughs> one cares about reviewers. People know you. I hear this from a lot of people. I hear it from Jay, I hear it from Paul or something. It's like, you know, no one's watching me. I was like, are you kidding? It's like, <laughs> people recognise you everywhere you go. How much more do you recognition do you need? It's you know, most people have to sort of go, is that you? Yeah, your voice sounds familiar. It's like, oh, great, yeah, my farmer voice is the biggest <laughs> clue you've got. But that's because you've done podcasts. You've been doing uh, podcasts forever. The more video you do, the more people will be able to recognise you. That is, the, well, I have done some video before, be it it was amateurish back then. It's not exactly great now, but it certainly was a lot better than when I was in the old flat. But yeah, I mean, written in podcasts, you do only sort of get known by a voice, hence I'm so glad to actually have the YouTube banner back, <laughs> even if it is a time-consuming process. Yeah, but you don't have to do it often, do you? I mean, there are plenty of really successful channels out there that do, you know, maybe one video every two, three weeks sort of thing, or one a month, once a month even. I'd, I'd want to do it more often than that just for content creation. But yeah, I mean, I'm getting to a point where I'm sort of like, yeah, maybe I'm going to balance out written and video because it's very difficult to keep up with it. <laughs> but yeah, I digress. That's for another time. So yeah, that's basically viewers. That's just our rambles and thoughts on the post. You know, we got nothing against Ignacity. We love him the bits. We love his games. But the po the fact that this post went so viral on the internet was just why, it, you know, it got a lot of us talking, you know, in private. So I figured, well, there's an idea for the next podcast episode who wants to talk about it and Mike was the only one who stuck his up his hand so, so works for me but now nah, I enjoy doing these collaboration podcasts anyway I've been doing a few lately and you know I want to do more in the future so even with just random topics or top tens or something this will hopefully become a more frequent thing but cheers Mike for at least taking the time tonight to come on well thanks for having me on I mean same way you want to do more of this sort of thing I want to do more as well i mean i do my channel full time and basically that means that i spend all day every day sat on my own because i don't have someone else working on my channel so it's great to actually be doing something where i am with other people talking about the games so oh for a day where i could do this full time and live off it yeah so we all dream oh i can't live off it i'm living off my wife there's a difference 
<laughs> she listening? <laughs> no, no, she's downstairs watching TV at the moment. But she, no, she she's well aware of that. Um, so give it, give it an hour. Give it, so give it, give it <laughs> like when she listens to the release <laughs> coming soon. Oh no, she she's well aware. Ah, that's all good. Yep. So that's it for me, guys. That's it for myself and Mike. I'll see you on the next episode. But just remember, we know we bang on about opinions and the internet and everything but at the end of the day these are just board games we are just people this is all just opinion and subjective so at the end of the day as long as you can make up your own mind about this sort of thing that's the main thing don't let anybody you know sway you unnecessarily it's just a case of we're here to give an opinion if you agree great if you don't tell us why but be civil about it that's kind of the way it works you know, we're just human at the end of the day standing in front of a giant microphone on a stand pretty much so yep that's it from me and from me also thanks a lot anyways see you on the next episode guys take care thanks for listening you can check out more material from the broken meeple at my website at www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk you can also find me on facebook or see my twitter handle at the broken meeple if you live anywhere near Portsmouth, feel free to come along to one of our fortnightly Wednesday board gaming clubs, Portsmouth On Board. Search for us on meetup.com or Facebook for more information. Occasional support for the Broken Meeple comes in the form of review copies of games, from distributors such as Estevium Games and from retailers such as Chaos Cards, where you can find great games at great prices at chaoscards.co.uk. Thanks again, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower Network, Have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast or the Broken Meeple. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.